Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. A Gal Media property in partnership with Jacob Media, where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Need a mortgage that fits your life? Rocket can. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. So a couple minutes away, and I'll tell you why I was wrong. And, and I'm actually pretty shocked at how wrong I was regarding my own team. There's change in sports ahead of a playoff that never is going to pay off, right? And I can't imagine anybody else in any other fan base rooting for any team that's about to hit the postseason, be it the NBA or the NHL that would feel different than I do when I got news that my team is about to change everything all of a sudden, just randomly, out of nowhere. And it begs the greater question about how often risky moves and big change really pays off. Sometimes, if you look at the reasons why, sometimes it's just trying to outsmart your opponent and you wind up outsmarting yourself. A lot of coaches, big-name coaches, have fallen victim to that going up against Bill Belichick, trying to predict what his next move is this whole time, and you're too focused on that, you miss the ball entirely. Thinking, thinking of trying to play the chess game that he's probably not even playing. Half the time, the guy's probably just waiting for the other person to make a mistake simply because that's who you are. When you go up against Belichick or Phil Jackson at one point, you can look at the greatest coaches pop at one point. You can look at these great coaches of all time and half of the battle is won simply by showing up and having presence. Now, you need to earn that by all means, right? You need to earn that. But very rarely do you see even those guys step into that realm of last-minute change. We saw one, and this is very rare, but we saw this backfire clearly in which Malcolm Butler was sat because of a you-know-what-into-the-win contest that Belichick wanted to win. Well, that didn't really pay off. We also know that it's usually the opposite. It's usually the coach who's reeking of desperation. You can smell it through the speakers. What is this guy doing? And I have the worst example here that I'm sure no other fan base would feel any different about. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So 11.40 Eastern. There are still three names in Jacksonville who could be out. The Philadelphia Eagles made a move that I was just maybe hoping wouldn't be this big news Brian Baldinger splash Sunday morning across Twitter and other social media sites to repurpose the tweet. I thought it would be something much bigger. Mike Kay, who covers the Eagles, used to cover the Jags, and also everything NFL for NJ.com will join us at 1140 Eastern, as there are, again, a couple of things straddling the lines, those two teams and a possible movement 
at least out of Jacksonville, maybe another movement in to Philadelphia. But as I mentioned, I'm going through something right now, and it's not the struggles of, or I guess maybe the realization of breaking 100 and then coming to the very hard, fast reality that it's not going to be a consistent thing. And if anything, I might have got lucky more so than anything else. No, that that's a separate reality. The wedding is still on. 11 days away, July 14th, the 25th, a week from this Saturday. Somebody probably calling right now about the cake or whatever. All day. So I don't know how many other people, I don't know if this is a national scam. I'm not sure if this is something that's going on across the board. But it is funny that somebody would hit me up right now as we just come back on the air because I get these nonstop. I block them. I move on. I talk to them. I actually had one of them crack. So I don't know if this is a local thing that's happening just in the state of Pennsylvania or if this is some national scam where it used to be Social Security. It used to be, you know, your name popped up in a case across the border and, you know, trying to get you to transfer money. All these different scams. The latest has to do with your car and your car title. And for some reason, everybody here in the state, and I'm talking about people that I know and work with that are in Allegheny County, Pittsburgh area, across the state. So what happens is they'll clone a number to make it look local, and you answer, and they're talking to you about your car title, trying to get you to give up valuable information. So I actually had one person crack the other day because I knew it was a spam, like fake prank, or not even prank, but in this case worse, attempt to try and steal information so i pulled out what's the old comedian i I forget the guy who was famous for the prank calls where he would do it with telemarketing jim is his first name um but pulled a, a thing out of his page and messed with the guy to the point where he just blew up jim florentine there you go where he just cracked cursed at me and hung up the phone. And normally, they're pretty good. The scammers are pretty good. They're trained under pressure to maintain a lot. They're much like telemarketers, real-life telemarketers, going by a script, but blew up. So I'm dealing with this here, and I I cannot understand. It's not that. It's not the wedding. It's not breaking 100 two times and then never seeing that sunset again. Nothing to do with my personal life. It has to do with me being a fan, and it doesn't even matter of what team of just a fan of a playoff-bound team that's about to make a major change. And I'm not even talking about changing its team's name that should have been done 50, 60 years ago. And we set the bar so low, so low when it comes to any type of advancement. It's like we'll hammer something correctly for the last 50 years, 60 years, about change the damn name, change the name. And finally, when it's done, I don't think many people are praising Snyder and the team itself, but do you see how many people are praising sponsors for finally putting their foot down? Like, this team had some sort of gun to FedEx's head, metaphorically speaking. And said, if you pull out at any point, that's it. You're done. You think we're going to change the name? Like, they were in some major position. No, it's always been the money that talks. And the sponsors that if they walk, things dry up. But we set the bar, especially on Twitter and social media, so low. It is ridiculous to see this sense of 
grand accomplishment felt. Now, you can look and say it was necessary and there's plenty more to do, and that's what I think you get a lot of times when surface accomplishments happen or surface opportunities come up. And I do credit guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and other people in the NBA for recognizing that, sure, you can wear whatever you want on your jersey, and we'll get to this in a second because there was a story that came out that I, I could not believe at all was true until I read it a couple of times. But I respect and understand why LeBron and others would look at that and say it's surface. It's not anything that's truly going to line up with the root action of making sure my message hits to making sure that I can correctly send my message to people across the country and maybe even the world. And this story with the NBA jerseys, again, I, I've i seen this on a pop-up a couple of places. Sporting News looks like the most reputable sports spot in which free Hong Kong was inadvertently prohibited from jerseys that you can custom make. So a Reddit user pointed this out earlier in the week. I thought Reddit was pretty much cooked. But earlier in the week, the NBA store will not allow people to order a custom NBA jersey with free Hong Kong on the back. Now, okay, why is this a bigger story than just that? And just that should be enough since this is about putting out messages, if it's to create awareness for social justice, you're able to get your jersey created. Now, you can officially do that anyway, but this is what it's been now fueled by. So all of the things that people tried to slide by were pretty ridiculous, where fanatics that online jersey store, where you can buy jerseys online, NBA and all custom and sanctioned stuff, told Sporting News the phrase was inadvertently prohibited on our league online store sites and has now been fixed. Fans who wish to customize it, so long as the text meets the 12-character limit, are able to do so. NBA has not commented. Now, a bunch of people went out and tried to put in a bunch of other names or a bunch of other free fill-in-the-blank, and they were all accepted. I don't know if free Woj was accepted, But Free Hong Kong seemed to be the only one that was not. To the point in which people actually took it a step further and said they were able to get messages like defund the police, beware of Jews, free America, free Canada, free Mexico, free Taiwan, all able to be put in. Except, of course, Free Hong Kong. So the fanatics, who I'm sure had to get word first and foremost from their bosses, the NBA, told Sporting News, oh, no, no, that was a mistake, and we were able to fix that. Don't worry, we were able to switch that out. Inadvertently prohibited on our league online store sites has now been fixed. Now, as long as it meets the 12-character limit, meaning no spaces, and that should give you enough of a deterrent to put something in anyway that is going to, oh, no, update, you are allowed to put in free Woj. You are allowed to rock a... Dallas Mavericks jersey, and instead of the old J.J. Berea number, you can put in free Woj at Shander Show, twitch.tv slash Shander Show. Now, as I mentioned, change 
should usually come when you have time to implement it. Change should usually come not as reactionary or you should try, right, to prevent it from being reactionary as much as possible. Unfortunately, there are times during a long season, it can be 162, it can be 16, but a long season, you're going to build up injuries on your team. Guys are going to be hurt or they're going to be playing through stuff at the very least. Nobody's fresh entering the playoffs, right? Even now, it's kind of hard to see what happens. This might be the flip side in which guys are too fresh, too soft, too off-season body mode right now in order to just snap out of it. But I'm not concerned about conditioning. And I'm not concerned about where a team is right now from a health standpoint. Those things really are out of your control. You can do whatever you want. That's what sports science is really growing from so much, is the attempt to try and keep people fresh, to keep people healthy first and foremost, and that's a pipe dream, but fresh when it comes to the playoffs. And now they've realized that, well, maybe we just need fresher. Maybe that's the best strategy is just to get guys fresher than they've been in the past. Load management, applications of just monitoring your day-to-days, practice, your vitals, sleeping, things like that, just constant monitoring and gathering data in order for this person, your favorite player, your top star, to be as healthy as possible heading into the postseason. Those things are out of my control as a fan. And they're out of my control because they're out of the people's control that are playing or coaching and managing as well. Somebody gets hurt Two weeks before the playoffs, hey, shrug and move on. Yeah, you can pound the table. You can throw stuff. You can break things. No problem here with that. Do whatever you need to do to express your discomfort with the situation. But the reality is is that if it's a sprained ankle, if it's a broken collarbone, if it's a concussion, if it's COVID-19, I mean, my goodness, now we have to add this in. All of it is out of our and their control. Things happen out there. Might be a cheap shot, might be something you can look at a little deeper. Not everything is universal, but for the most part, you can pretty much approach that as hands up, what can I do? When the coach, the manager, when somebody in charge of the team steps in and makes a major move out of, I don't even know at this point, trying to outsmart himself, trying to outsmart their opponent, that they don't even know yet. Brett Brown, the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, after, what, four years, four and a half years, has decided, three and a half with Ben, has decided to move Ben Simmons from the point in which he's played every single game that he's been healthy, every single one. He's moved around at times, mainly defensively, but he's been the primary ball handler. And let me add this, for those of you who may not know the backstory. It was challenged and questioned repeatedly, despite Brown sticking to his guns and saying, nope, Ben Simmons is my point guard. Nope, that's how we roll here in Philadelphia. Simmons, ball, push it. Now, out of what seems to be his version of necessity, but really, I would say, negligence, turning your back on a lot of other talent that you have on your team, forcing that round peg into the square hole for three and a half years, 
fail to recognize the talent that he has at that point guard position in Shake Milton. So Shake Milton came in when Simmons got hurt before COVID struck everything. Played really well. NBA was like, whoa, this kid can play right now. Not just Philly, but people around the league looking at him and thinking, just get him some time, get him some time. This was in place of Ben Simmons, who normally would be dominating the ball, and we would not have even known that a guy like Milton could play like this. Now, I don't expect him to be James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Dame Lillard level point, but the kid has a lot of promise that would have been buried because Simmons was just routinely thrown in there as the point. Now, out of nowhere, Simmons will be playing the four, a guy who refuses to stretch because he can't really knock that shot down 15 to 18 feet outside the key, especially on the baseline. But beyond the basketball stuff, it's just this big picture of forcing change. Normally, change is forced upon you, but it rarely works in sports. Nick Saban isn't doing this. Greg Popovich wasn't doing this. Phil Jackson wasn't doing this. All of a sudden, some major change in which you would have, I mean, even guys who were coaching LeBron to victory that won't go down as all-time coaches weren't doing this because LeBron would put his foot down and say, no, that doesn't make any sense. A major change like this heading into a postseason is not good for any team. And outside of necessity due to injury or somebody just not being healthy, banged up 50%, you're not giving us enough, making a change like that. This came out of negligence for years and now desperation. And I don't know how anybody can look at this situation if it's happened, which I'm sure it's happened to you in the past, any different. 800-224-2004 at Shander Show. It's the second level. You're listening to The Second Level, presented by Rocket Mortgage, from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. So 10 minutes from now, Mike Kay will join us, covers the NFL, Eagles, spent time in Jacksonville, some storylines coming out of both cities, mentioned the situation that I thought was going to happen yesterday, I was pretty confident that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to sign either Jadavion Clowney or Everson Griffin, and in fact, they bring back Jason Peters because their all-pro level guard, Brandon Brooks, is done. And when I'm looking at reaction right now, and we'll talk to Mike about what's happened with the name change in D.C., the Oakley face shields, a lot of things happening in the NFL. But this has been such a major topic of conversation for so long that it's died down, come back, and every time it comes back, it's with such force. And I get it because the name had to change. It had to change. But it's had to change for so long. And this is not the equivalent of somebody who has been wrongly convicted, taking 25 years to fight for themselves and represent themselves and finally be exonerated. 
this is something that was a surface but necessary change. Do you understand? Like, you can have those two coexist. Something can be surface and still necessary without this huge celebration. Like, oh, my goodness. Yes, get it. Move the team's name, change it, and now let's focus on more important, more root-level stuff. But this is equivalent because there are plenty more areas in which Native Americans, for example, indigenous people of this country, have been completely uprooted. And as far as fighting for human rights, we should probably start there. So, yes, it's nice for us. This is something that's going to make us feel a lot better. But... Indigenous people of this country have been mistreated since day one. And others have been, too. Don't get me wrong. Right? People that were brought here unwillingly. Some people who signed a contract to be indentured. A lot of different people who have traced the paths of this country. But this name change itself should be recognized. Okay, people finally, in a position of power, did the right thing. They don't get any praise. They don't get any slap on the back. They don't get any type of public positive acknowledgement. It's it took too long. All right, let's move on. If it's other names, if it's other teams, that's fine. But again, these are about making us, I think, feel a lot better as opposed to directly helping with root ways, root forms of improvement for indigenous communities. Now, One thing was mentioned regarding the NFL that bring up before we get to K coming up, and it's the shields, the face shields provided, and you knew somebody was going to get in on this. I don't know who else it would be, right? Like, outside of Oakley, who makes the most famous sunglasses? Ray-Bans, I guess. That's kind of where you would look at it. The most iconic sunglasses in history. I don't think you can go... I mean, can you go the aviators? Can you go... Can Ray-Ban aviators, you know, from Top Gun? Tom Cruise made those ultra famous. I don't know if Ray-Ban's... Well, Ray-Ban itself, because they have the Wayfarer, too. That's like the... You'd see that a lot of times in the 80s movies, a lot of the throwbacks, 50s, 60s movies with Leonardo DiCaprio. But Oakley, I think, would be the number one, right? I mean, if you just look at, forget the the style, just the brand. Top sunglasses, most famous sunglasses brands, right? I definitely think Oakley is up there. Ray-Ban, I I recognize. Now, I I admit, I don't know the sunglasses world nearly well enough. Persol seems to be a top one that comes up everywhere. Maui Jim is another one. Oliver Peoples. But I get it. Prada and Burberry, you're going to have Versace. These companies are going to make their own glasses, sunglasses, but... I don't know if Dulce and Gabbana or Versace are more famous for their glasses than clothing and other things. Guess another one, right? So when you actually look at sunglasses themselves, Oakley takes the cake here. Ray-Ban, okay, I'll concede Ray-Ban 
is a good number one as well. We might have to agree to disagree as far as who's actually number one, but I think that you can look at, at the very least, Oakley being the popular one. So they are the ones who signed the deal, and you know this is going to be big money. This is a big check right now that Oakley has where I'm sure they're going to have some sort of sign on it, that, that O, if you will, is going to be associated with it. We'll talk to Mike K coming up next about this, but... Oh, and I already see the picture on the Ravens helmet. Right above the face mask, there's that big O. What a payday for them. Smart. Can't knock it. There's money in everything, even in keeping people safe. Imagine that. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So as mentioned, a lot going on with the NFL outside of what's trending right now with Jason Peters' return and the Oakley deal. We'll see if our next guest, Mike K, has any thoughts on the top brand's of sunglasses. You can follow Mike on Twitter if you're not already at Mike underscore E underscore K K A Y E covers all things Eagles NFL for NJ.com at the no huddle show is the pod as well and spent years in Jacksonville covering the Jags. Mike, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. How you doing, man? All is well? You, you staying safe and sane in the quarantine? Yeah. You- yeah, you know, um, I kind of jumped the gun this morning. Didn't, you know, reported that Jason Peters was returning. Didn't kind of get the context that he was a guard, which is interesting based on what I heard over the weekend. And uh, so, yeah, it's been kind of an interesting uh, couple of hours. You know, just kind of, kind of figuring out the logic here behind this move. All right, so take us through that, because I admittedly am ignorant. I've been doing my best to stay the hell off of social media outside of tweeting when I'm on. So I missed what happened. I'm sure, as you mentioned, you got it as far as Jason Peters is coming back. But was this a difference of what you were told as far as his role, as opposed to something that has been reported recently that he actually will be locked in at the right guard? Well, I was originally told that they were looking at a veteran lineman or a veteran guard, and looking into a potential Jason Peters return, maybe a game of telephone kind of altered the way that was described to me. You know what I mean? Maybe he was the veteran guard they were discussing. <laughs> so, um, look, I, I think when you look at Jason Peters returning, he is obviously extremely well thought of in the Eagles organization. If anybody can make a move at 38, they feel like he can do it. I don't love this move. I don't necessarily think it'll pan out. That said, from a PR standpoint, it makes sense to announce him as a guard and not cancel out Andre Dillard from the jump. My issue with this whole thing is, well, what if Jason Peters doesn't have a preseason, has limited contact during training camp as the NFLPA pushes for, you know, the most resistance as possible here during the coronavirus pandemic, and then you're going to have to throw him out week one at a position he's never played. He's only played on the right side. Uh, of the line once in his 16 seasons, and that was in 2005. So you're asking him to not only 
switch positions, but switch sides of, of the line. And I think that that could be a recipe for disaster um, if he's not having true contact during practice, he's not having preseason reps. You're asking a guy who has so much muscle memory on the left side at tackle to move that based on, on what I've heard and who I've talked to in the league that I regard as offensive line experts, I'm a little perplexed as to how they think this can be successful. Is this it as far as the moves that the Eagles are going to make? Because I felt like, and we have to credit or blame, depending on how you see it, Baldy, for setting us all on fire here, a blaze in Philly Sunday morning with this big tweet of expectation. This can't be it, right? Is there going to be a signing of Clowney, Griffin, maybe even a trade down to Jacksonville, Mike? I don't see it. Um, so with I haven't seen Peters' contract, but presumably they're down from $24.7 million to maybe 21 or $20 million in their cap. Now, you look at that, if you're going to sign Clowney to a, a 9 to $10 million contract, you're cutting that in half. Remember, the Eagles have a $50 million hole they got to climb out of next year. Just because you sign a guy to a one-year deal this year doesn't mean it doesn't impact next year because you're impacting your cap rollover benefits. You know, they can roll over a good portion of their salary cap to next year and take out a big chunk of their debt for next offseason. That could be the difference between keeping and cutting someone like Brandon Graham or Derek Barnett. And so from their standpoint, adding a guy on a big contract right now would definitely impact next year because you don't know where the salary cap is going to be. You already have a huge, huge debt that you have to pay off on the salary cap. I mean, it could be even larger if if the if the financial benefits of the season take a dramatic plummet because of the lack of fan attendance or, or what have you. So I think the Eagles really need to play it safe here. They haven't shown a lot of interest in Clowney despite reports based on what I've been told. They haven't shown a lot of interest in trading for Yannick Ngakwe either, based on what I've been told, too. The, the Jaguars have really only negotiated with the, the Raiders, like had serious negotiations with the Raiders. They've received a lot of calls, but from what I was told, at least around the draft, that those negotiations were minimal at best. Well, you've spent time there. You covered that team. I wonder, just to kind of flip it, do you expect a, a trade on that side of the ball or maybe even on the other side with a Leonard Fournette? No, I don't. I, I think they want to ride into the season with Fournette. I think they would really like to have Nani Kingakwe play for them this season. I don't know if that's a guarantee. He seems pretty adamant that he wants out. But from their standpoint, you know, they looked at what they got for Jalen Ramsey, which a lot of people in the league think that was an exponentially one-sided trade. As great as Jalen Ramsey was, giving up those two first-round picks, for a guy who definitely was a malcontent, kind of paid off for them. I think Dave Codwell doesn't get enough credit for the the value he's been able to get with trades. I mean, he got a day three pick for Nick Foles in that contract. So I think from the Jaguars' perspective, they're going to want to slow play this and see if somebody suffers an injury during training camp or if they do have a preseason, if there's a major injury in the preseason – and then try to take advantage, similar to how the Eagles took advantage of the Vikings several years ago, trading Sam Bradford for a first-round pick. Mike K. joining us at Mike underscore E underscore K. Covers the Eagles, NFL, NJ.com, at the No Huddle Show as well. 
if you take the Eagles out, and it makes sense now, especially when you add a contract like Jason Peters, is Seattle now in the driver's seat for either a Clowney or Griffin? I mean, I think it makes sense, right? I mean, you know, I don't know who else it would be. That, I mean, you look at the well, the Browns just renegotiated Olivier Vernon's contract, so I think that rules them out. I think the Giants would be better off bringing in a pass rusher. The Raiders have shown interest. Um, Tennessee is another team that's shown interest in pass rushers. But, yeah, I think Seattle needs, needs to either re-sign Clowney or bring in Griffin. Yeah, and, and it probably would fall as far as Clowney would probably be the big deal. One-year deal for, you know, maybe 9 to 10, 11. And then I imagine Griffin would, would slide in after that. Or do you think Griffin signs first knowing that he can't command uh, a long-term deal at 32, soon to be 33? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he's chomping at the bit based on social media to resign or to sign somewhere. Um, if I were the Eagles, I would rather sign Griffin because he's going to be cheaper. He doesn't necessarily need to start. He can be a rotational guy. He's not going to really impact Derek Barnett. This season should be all about trying to set up Derek Barnett to earn that fifth-year option. Not not from like a you know a team standpoint, but they really need to put him in place to show that he can be that guy um, this year. So I'm curious because we always have our eye on Dallas, and it seems like if it's Zeke and, and you know getting into trouble and some issues going on in the offseason, now we have a football problem, at least in their standpoint, which is the stalemate that Dak and the Cowboys have hit. Is this going to be a problem that you think is going to hang over the Cowboys all year, or is this being more overblown because we don't have much to talk about? I think it's a little overblown. I think this is going to be a situation that plays out similarly to Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, if you're if you're Dak Prescott, you know you're not going to get Mahomes' money, so you might as well take advantage of Mahomes' contract in another way, where you can go from year to year, having that extended franchise tag where the money continues to to skyrocket. Um, he's the guy who's bet on himself. He's a guy who didn't take an extension early when he was a fourth round pick uh, last year. I think this is the right move. I think this is the right move for him because he knows. I mean, there's no way he's setting the market now. I mean, Mahomes' contract might be a once in a lifetime deal. So, you know, from, from their perspective, and, and look, Dak has his one, one playoff game. He's not like a, uh, uh, he's not the star or the player that Mahomes is. He's not the star or player that, you know, Russell Wilson is. So he's got to factor that in when he's considering his next contract. And I think slow playing, this is the smart move for him. We were talking about this the other day, and and I did try and slide in. I recognize that it was way homerish of me to do it, but we were talking about this the other day, and I'm curious, is, is there anybody? Deshaun Watson was the first name just because of how young he is. But would you sign anybody to that Mahomes deal? Even Lamar Jackson, we were just a little uncertain about because I just don't know how stable he can play for so long. But I do recognize that the kid can throw the football really well and accurately. But I I, I don't want to say it as a negative because it's a positive that he can move so fast and so elusive. But some of that stuff catches up to you if you take contact. That's all. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's another guy in the league that I would uh, give that money to. I think Mahomes is easily the most complete quarterback in the league. He's also, you know, at an extremely young age, won a Super Bowl, been an MVP. Um, 
you know, I, I need to see a little bit more from Lamar. Lamar's had one great year, uh, and it was a great year. I'm not trying to downplay him, but we still need to see more from him. And then I think when you look at somebody like Russell Wilson's the only guy that I would probably even consider that deal, and he's also getting older. Um, not Deshaun Watson. You know, Carson Wentz. I, I, Deshaun Watson, the injury history, mm, the, the fact that, that he is mobile and he plays a little reckless. Uh, look, I think he has the talent level for it. I just, like, that's a big insurance policy to buy. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, and that's why it's really tough because you're right. When you start to look at it, you don't even need to go deep with it. You just start to look at it case by case, and you can make enough antis or counter-arguments to move away from that deal. Mike, I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with the new plastic shield. It looks like Oakley has designed something that can reportedly block the transmission of COVID while also allowing air and sound to get through from the player's standpoint. I'm not sure how many players... You've talked about the, the possibility or prospects of wearing this, but what are you hearing or what are you feeling as far as you know, just covering this league and knowing players, the reaction's going to be? Well, I think they want to find a solution. This is a, this is a step in the right direction, but I, I think all that matters really for them right now is you know, health protocols and financial protocols. And right now the league and the NFLPA are on the same page with a lot of things, except for the very important things. And I think that needs to be, you know, figured out. I think this is a great, great incentive to play the games and potentially solve a lot of problems. But again, until these are tested during training camp and guys are really situated in their protocols in place, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, a helmet to helmet, you know, guys take off their helmets, uh, guys tackle each other. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. What do you think travel is, is going to look like? Because that's something that Major League Baseball is dealing with that clearly the NHL and NBA and bubbles don't have to. But how does travel, how is that going to look this year in the NFL? Well, I, I think you're going to have to take buses to shorter trips, I think. You know, obviously they take charter planes when they go on the road to, like, San Francisco or Arizona. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird. They might have to rent out whole hotels in order to, you know, accommodate what they need. Guys probably won't be able to share rooms. Um, It's a situation where their operations managers are going to be working overtime because this is kind of a chaotic situation, especially from a travel standpoint. Yeah, I'm just looking at this and, and how it's playing out, and I'm wondering if if anything that you're hearing or just in your gut, Mike, would indicate we've already seen the cancellation of preseason. I've got about a minute, but what are your thoughts on pushing the start of the season back? I mean, I think it's a possibility. I think we really need to figure out what's going on from a financial and health standpoint from from these negotiations. You know, Malik Jackson called out the league and, and its owners and the NFLPA wanting solutions. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that July 28th is is a set in stone, or as of now, you know, written in pencil uh, start date when there are clear protocols that haven't been reached and we're 15 days away or 14 days away from guys returning. I don't think that that's a smart move, and I think there's a lot to figure out in the coming days uh, and coming weeks. Thanks again, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
You got it. Mike K at Mike underscore E underscore K on Twitter. Covers the NFL, Eagles, all things NJ.com. We're back next. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level presented by Rocket Mortgage from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios. Here's Aton Shander. Story about Rashawn Holmes comes. I don't know if it's actually on the heels of or simultaneously with Bobby Marks. Try to get Bobby on the show tomorrow. Who tweeted out 19 hours ago, right around the same time in which the news broke about Rashawn Holmes breaking the bubble. But Bobby tweeted there will be a financial penalty if a player breaks quarantine once the seeding games start on July 30th. Each game missed will project to roughly 1% of salary. The Rashawn Holmes situation would have cost him close to 50 k for every game missed. So this is right on the heels of what happened with Holmes. We'll get into that coming up in six minutes. The NBA is coming down hard. You break the bubble. You break your own quarantine inside that bubble. Step outside on purpose, accidentally, whatever the case may be. And you're out for 10 days, and in this case for Holmes, 50 grand, that, that's not just chump change. I know 50 grand is still not a lot for a guy making seven figures over the time of his career, but that's a tough check to cut. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. A Gal Media property in partnership with Jacob Media, where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. Need a mortgage that fits your life? Rocket can. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Just mentioned the NBA's punishment. Coming down, and Rashawn Holmes is lucky that he did not accidentally, air quotes, break this line, this bubble, this quarantine. It's what it's all about. We were talking about how funny it would be in a jab, jab, rib, rib type of way where if somebody gets busted smuggling in a Tinder date. Somebody down in Orlando is just used to their day-to-day. And it's kind of tough taking that element of your day-to-day out just cold turkey. Especially if you're used to it every single day. So, from that standpoint, we kind of thought that, jokingly but with some truth behind it, the bursting of the bubble, and this was sometime last week, the bursting of the bubble would come from outside that it would be somebody on the outside smuggled in for whatever reason. But instead, we find, and not to say that that hasn't happened or isn't happening or won't happen, but our first big story of it being burst is Rashawn Holmes on a team that's not even, shouldn't even be there. Let's be honest. This is all about Zion Williamson trying to usher him in without being noticed to the postseason. And you had to have other teams just to make it somewhat fair, but come on. This is nothing. The Kings should not have even been there. 
unnecessary buys. Well, what happens if it's a t- somebody on the Nuggets? Let's cross that bridge when we get there. But Rashawn decided to cross the imaginary line set up, the Disney campus line, if you will, to pick up delivery food. Holmes, a former Sixer. He's a smart guy. <laughs> and I say that as credit to him. He's an intelligent guy. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was just trying to risk it now. See, let's test them. Let's see what they'll do. And now somebody more important. Now Buddy Heel can come out and break it on his own. I don't know. Major League Baseball has its own issues. We'll get to that next. You're listening to The Second Level, presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. I just saw this pop up where, I don't know who wrote it, but Turk Wendell, former Met and Philly, apparently got death threats while he pitched here in Philly. Now, that's not going to look good for my city. Oh, here it is. Here's the opening line from the Justin Tash piece from the New York Post. It wasn't always sunny in Philadelphia for Turk Wendell. Is that show, how is that show met? We're going to get into this a little bit. I, I need to look at this story a little bit more and validate something before my city gets dragged through the mud here. But... Speaking of that show, I am always curious about it. I am, as you know, a Philadelphian, been here forever, born and raised in the Northeast, worked all over the country, so have had the pleasure of getting into radio when I was young and single and thus able to take advantage of a job that moved me halfway or in some case across the country. And being back in this area, I recognize that there is a very popular show, but I always get caught up in this bubble. And Philadelphia, there are a couple of cities like this. Boston is definitely like this. There are cities that you get this feel, but they're smaller, right? But Columbus, for example, is another one. Very provincial to the point where you don't really need to leave. And I don't mean as far as like a New York City gluttonous Oh, I got everything I need, or L.A., in which, yeah, it's a drive, but you have everything you need. I mean, as far as there is no real need to seek out anything outside because you're in your comfort zone. We use the term bubble, right, is what's going on in Disney, but in Edmonton and Toronto as well. But there is truly, a, I think, a bubble in culture and sport alike here in Philadelphia that, again, you'll find in a couple of bigger cities across the country and and even some that are smaller than Philly as far as population, but maybe larger in space. So I'm always curious about this. And Ron and I never talked about, I don't think Ron and I have talked about this. Sean is doing a fantastic job in for Ron. We assume Ron is coming back at some point. I don't know when. Nobody. He didn't even respond to me. I asked him, when are you coming back? And he was already out the door the day that he left. So Sean has been filling in, doing a fantastic job. How familiar are you with the show? And B, you can answer them both, take as long as you want. But how familiar are you with the show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? And if you are, do you enjoy it? And let me preface this by saying I am really familiar with the show. 
I just never really jumped on it, and I don't dislike it or hate it or anything, but I don't seek it out, and I don't enjoy it. Uh, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm familiar with the show. I've seen uh, maybe the first couple seasons. Okay, so enough, seasons. enough. Yeah, when I was in high school, I was big into it. Um, and it was big around the country. Yeah, yeah. All, I mean, at least, you know, among my friends, it's one of those kind of top five of the comedies yeah. of this kind of era. Okay, so this is great because I always get wrapped up when it comes to a show like the Goldbergs, for example. Now, I've found a lot more people that are born and raised in Philly turning their back on a show like the Goldbergs as opposed to It's Always Sunny. But there are a lot of local Philly references and seasons and you know things, stories that are based around this city. It doesn't get lost on, on you and others. And that, I guess, would be my concern as far as how popular it is outside of this city versus inside the city. It doesn't get lost on you guys. No, I mean, I'm sure, you know, the you would get more out of the references or at least notice more of the references than I would. But when they talk about, like, the Philly fanatic and they talk about tailgating uh, and talk about the old veteran stadium, like, I, I get most of the Philly sports references uh, okay. just through kind of osmosis. Yes, and, and based off of – and they do – I will say this. One thing the show does is they play in a smarter way off of the stereotypes, especially from a fan perspective of this city. And I'm sure – I didn't see the one with the Fanatic, but I imagine that there's something that, that's at the very least self-deprecating about either the fan or the Fanatic itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was – I think it was – I forgot all their names. I, so I, one of the guys – is was like obsessed with the Philly fanatic as a kid, and it's like carried on. I forgot the like details of it. Right, right, right. But uh, but yeah, again, it, it is a great show, and I do think that the kind of the their take on this stereotypical kind of Philly like meathead kind of meatball fan, their take on it, their little twist on it on the stereotypes. I think that's why it gets embraced by Philly because it's like obviously made by people who understand uh understand the Got city. It. Got it. Okay. That that's what I was curious about. Of course this whole thing started with the Turk Wendell accusations of getting death threats while pitching here. And I, I don't know where this thing popped up, but the opening line of course had to take a shot at the city via the show. And I'm always curious about that because even having the name in it Maybe it's proof that people do care a little more about this city than it's led on nationally. I know a lot of time before the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it was like the Browns, you know, like a routine punching bag. But it's just it's a fascinating phenomenon to me because it would be the same principle if it was it's always sunny in Boston, if it's always sunny in Columbus, Ohio. Nashville is a good one, although that's become way more over the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years Cosmo and more of a destination, especially with music, it's always been. But fascinated, at least, about the bubble in which we live in and, you know, how that works. As far as baseball beyond the Turk Wendell death threats, and we'll get a little deeper into this once this story kind of matriculates out, but I, I was interested in something said by an MLB player where – 
the belief right now is if you have antibodies, you're good. Like, if you are, and I encourage you on my YouTube sh- uh, channel, you can find it on my Twitter page, at Chander Show. I do a weekly show with a doctor. It's also in my column, weekly column, phillyvoice.com. But there is this belief that if you have it, you're good, and you're good forever. And we saw COVID parties similar to measles parties and pox parties that kids would be subjected to when you were much, much younger and those were much more prevalent. And I heard this comment, and I want you to hear it as well, from Charlie Blackman. And it's not Charlie Blackman is ignorant. It's not trying to come down on Blackman by any means. But this is a much... It's a much more complicated issue, especially because, and I'll t- explain, the testing we have is far from accurate when you're talking about antibodies. And it's not great when we're talking about results simply with COVID test. Antibodies itself have become even more of a problem. This is Charlie Blackman. And look, a lot of people, it's not just Blackman. It's not just the Rockies. It's not just sports or athletes. It's A lot of people, a lot of people around the country believe this, that once you get it, you're good. And that's not necessarily the case. Here's Blackman. I've gotten over the virus with my antibodies that, you know, I've created. Um, Insert science, you know, here and then now I'm healthy and I don't expect to be at risk and I don't expect to be risking other people's health um, for the rest of the season. Season, it's it's a stretch. We just we're getting in from medical professionals, doctors alike, nurses and people that are scientists who are dealing with this virus, both in ORs to theory and data. That I mean, there's a pretty strong belief and, and based off of more of it being unknown that these antibodies are not going to last. Look at the flu. The flu, you if you get your shot, and if you believe in the vaccine and you get the shot that creates the antibodies, then you know you have to get it once a year. You know that the virus comes back to the level in which you can still contract it. Doesn't mean that you're going to be sick, deathly ill, have to enter into the hospital, but we just don't know right now. And Major League Baseball is the test subject because they are implementing travel in their routine where the bubble candidates are not. Where the NBA, NHL, I mean, Rashawn Holmes had the most travel in the last couple of days, and that was breaking that line, the Disney line. But it's unfortunate because baseball right now, if you're hedging your bets that anybody who has it, anybody who gets it, is going to be safe for three and a half, four months. There just isn't enough data right now that would slam that shut and say, if you have it, you're good for a a certain amount of time, especially a finite period of time. Now, some people believe that you're good for, you know, nine, ten months. Some people believe that this thing is actually going to be like three to four months 
and you're going to have to get tested again. The reality is, is it's not just you get tested for COVID, but Blackman and others who have it, and we've seen it here in Philly and other teams, you need to be routinely tested for antibodies. We've seen people, there was reports that came out outside of this country, and not just China, but outside of this country, that would say that antibodies were done in a month. A month. At that point, it's about not just contracting it again. You can be asymptomatic once, asymptomatic twice. You can still spread. So Major League Baseball has a duty right now to maintain vigilant testing across the board. If not, then you're going to see cases pop up and people are going to look at this like, what's going on? This guy got it again the second time? Or they may contact trace it back to somebody who does get it a second time and look real foolish if that person wasn't tested, at the very least for antibodies. And I'm not blaming, again, I'm not blaming Blackman. It's most likely everybody is is getting information and they're told different things from different people. Some even have the MD or title after their name. But there has been at least some consistency with the antibodies test themselves being really spotty. And on top of that, not truly knowing how long the antibodies can be in your body, how long this can be protecting. And again, there's been a belief for months now that it's going to be here. You get it or you get a vaccine once that arrives, and then every year you get it again like a flu shot. Add another one to the list if you're already on board with that. We've seen this before. Diseases come, virus comes. We create something to counter it, to fight it to eliminate it through vaccination and it has nowhere else to go in the population and ultimately dies. It's not to say that nobody's dying of polio, but I don't know the last major run through. But in this case, Major League Baseball, and they've already been negligent. They've already dealt with centers that simply haven't returned tests. Adam Hazley is starting center fielder for the Phillies. He was held out for two weeks because they never got his test back. That was it. Out, never got it back. So let's look at what Major League Baseball has already done that has been borderline negligent out of their way to fail the safety, the protection of their players. I'm, I'm more concerned about black men and others who might be told, hey, you're good, don't worry about it, you don't need to be tested anymore, you're fine. That's not necessarily the case. We've got some major bets to look at coming up this weekend in a couple of sports with Tiger Woods' return, as well as some NBA futures to look at with our pal Adam Thompson from bookies.com. We'll do that at 1240, all coming up here on the second level. Kane is in the building. <laughs> Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level. Presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. 
All right, so we've altered in Ron's absence fake news and allowed Sean to pull a couple of stories, three stories that are all real and test, I guess, the belief of that line and and show and illustrate how thin that line can be between real and fake. And the idea is to see if I've heard of anything before. We even pulled McMullen into this thing. Now, no John today. John joined us yesterday. He'll join us again on Friday, or pardon me, Thursday at 1240 Eastern. Adam Thompson, bookies.com in 10 minutes. But it's all yours, Sean. Take it away. All right. So first story, we're going, uh, where are we? Oh, we're going to Medellin, Colombia, where an eight-year-old chocolate Labrador is being paid with treats and massages for delivering food from a little market in El Pornavira, uh, in Colombia. So instead of uh, Postmates, instead of your Uber Eats, what have you, uh, the Columbia, dog delivers? Yes, there's a dog that is delivering uh, to help maintain social distance, and people love it when they see the dog. Well, here's the thing, and clearly this is real, but how well is a dog trained? To be able to deliver food and not destroy it on the way over. I could not get any of the dogs I've ever owned in any capacity to deliver a pizza or burger or anything like that. Yeah, no. uh, It says here that uh, it looks like his name is Eros. He uh, doesn't know how to read addresses, but he remembers the names of customers who have previously rewarded him with treats. And with some practice, he has learned to go up to their houses on their own or, or on his own. That's really wild stuff. It uh, is. I'm, I'm just amazed that the dog is so well-trained like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe this dog could be the uh, solution for Rashawn Holmes uh, getting delivery. Yeah, that's a great idea. Being delivered to the bubble. I, I definitely think so. All right. Uh, let's move on. This one, uh, another one. I like throwing you one that's uh, a little more local uh, to this one's in New Jersey in New York. Uh, Experts say that there are uh, five great white sharks lurking in the waters off the coast of uh, New York and New Jersey. But they're saying that uh, driving to the beach and going to the beach in times like these are actually more dangerous than swimming uh, with these sharks in the water. So they're they're not as worried about the sharks. uh, But all these sharks... Well, look, they're great whites is what you said? Yes, they're great white sharks. All right. Now, to be fair... A lot of people's idea of what a great white shark is has been perverted due to Jaws. They're massive. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I have the. Uh, all these are apparently track like trackable. They have a chip in them or something. Sure, sure. And they all have height or I guess length and weight uh, descriptions. They're probably like school buses. Yes, Caroline is uh, one of the most recent one. Is uh, she sits at thirteen feet and over thirteen hundred pounds? Okay, thirteen feet. Yeah, I mean thirteen hundred pounds. That's a little. That's heavy. Yeah, it is heavy, but it's not. I mean, okay. So I went to the dump this morning, right, to, to get rid of a ton of boxes, Amazon boxes. We've been buying everything online for the past three months, so I have a garage full of boxes. And I went to the dump, and I borrowed my brother-in-law to be's truck. So he's got a white Ram. It's new. It's not 2019, 2020, right? Dodge Ram. And that thing, you go up on the scale, 
And I remember the starting number was 4440. So that's 4,440 pounds. Wow. That's what I mean. Like, as big as the shark is, 13 feet, 1,300 pounds I don't think is as big, like, from a weight standpoint as we see in our, or think in our brain, right? Yeah, I mean... That's that's four of the trucks, weight-wise, yeah. I'm saying. I mean, the, I mean, you have to remember that sharks are made out... Or they don't have bones, they have Correct. cartilage. So Look I, at I you. wonder if that's... Boom, yeah, right come there. on, this show was way too stupid for, for you to be dropping facts like that, man. <laughs> There's another one named uh, Casper, and it's at 8 feet, 350 pounds. I only say that because... Uh, That's got to be a baby. Is that a runt? Yes, and it's roughly, it's a little bit longer, but that's roughly the size of Shaquille O'Neal when he uh, played on the Los Angeles Lakers. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's actually, I think he was listed at like 350. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so you have Shaquille O'Neal over there with uh, like rows of serrated teeth uh, out in the waters. I hope you're not going to the beach anytime soon, Aton. No, I'm, I'm not at all, but I also feel like I could... I could fend myself off against Shaq as opposed to a 20-foot shark that weighs, you know, 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it's also a road game for you uh, in the waters. Well, yeah, you, that's true. That's true. I mean, that, you've lost all home field advantage. Hmm. All right. What's the last one? I, I These thinking, are great so I was far. thinking you're going to get a Jake Asman uh, eating 30 hot dogs. No. I could fight a shark out of uh, out of you right there. No, no. I'm not going to take a – I would not enter any type of competition willingly. I, I don't even go – I don't even go, like, 20 feet into the ocean. That's as much as I'll go. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about me going out there, especially now. All right. So th- one last one. The world's cheapest electric car – uh, can be mailed at your door, and it costs nine hundred and thirty dollars. Nine hundred and thirty. Now, how big is this thing? It is uh, very small. Yeah, it looks you, like you it's smaller. You couldn't even fit a dog in there outside of you, right? Yeah, it looks like you can't really. You can't fit a shark for sure. Huh. But uh, yes, this is in China. Oh my goodness! Of course, I mean there is just amazing, amazing. This, that's pretty good. I love the dog story. That's probably my favorite. Adam Thompson. Next. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level presented by Rocket Mortgage from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios. Here's Aton Shander. We actually have a ton to get to with our next guest. I'm looking at all the different things that he's got a hand in when it comes to bookies.com, either this weekend or just across the board. And that's Adam Thompson at underscore Adam underscore Thompson underscore is how you follow him on Twitter. And first and foremost, appreciate your time, brother. Hope all is well. Thanks, Aidan. You too. All right. Where, where should we start? Uh, I, I would love, you know, can we go, because your EPL picks have been very good, and it's probably something that hasn't been on the forefront of the average sports better's mind, but you've provided some great value there. So let's start with the EPL. 
knock that out, right? Because I, I feel like you've got something solid there, and then we can move, I guess, chronologically, right, from golf into some futures. So as far as yeah, the EPL. I've got some uh, I got some wild and wacky things going on in the EPL uh, for the next couple of days, actually. There's only one game today, and it's Norwich City, and they're the worst team uh, in a long time in the EPL. They're taking on Chelsea, who's uh, you know battling for a Champions League uh, spot. They you know just got you know hammered by Sheffield their last time out, which is uh, pretty unimpressive. But now they're going home where they've just been dominant, and uh, you know Norwich City they've already been relegated. They're you know, beyond dreadful on the road, they scored one goal in their last five games away from home. These odds are, are outrageous. They're in the minus 700 to 800 range. But I saw a first half one of minus 230, and that was just uh, that was just low enough for me to at least uh, take a leap because I think uh, Norwich City, you know, they just they're uncompetitive uh, everywhere, but especially at home. And Chelsea is good everywhere, but especially at home. Norwich, uh, Norwich on the road, rather. So I think a, a first half line on Chelsea. If you're going to play something, uh, I think that's probably the way to go. Okay. Do you have anything else I can parlay with that? I have a pick. Uh, I have a pick tomorrow, but now I'm getting a, a little wackier, actually. So <laughs> it's uh, Arsenal Liverpool. I think that's going to be an, actually a pretty good game. Uh, you know, Liverpool's already clinched the title. Uh, in fact, they clinched it so early. You know, they kind of came out and said, you know, for the integrity of the EPL, uh, you know, we're going to keep playing strong, um, but it hasn't really happened. In their last six games, they have three wins. Uh, you know, the, the latest one was a, a 1-1 draw against the 10th-place uh, Burnley team. Uh, it's kind of, a, kind of a flop for them, and at home. Now they're going to Arsenal. Arsenal's ninth, uh, kind of close to Burnley, but at home, and they haven't been defeated at home since December. So I actually like the draw. Uh, going out on a limb, uh, picking, a, picking a tie at plus 300, uh, it seems like uh, seems like if I'm going to make a pick, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of great action until this weekend, I think. But as far as weekday stuff uh, for the next couple of days, kind of like the draw, kind of a you know, low risk, high reward, plus three hundred uh, type of pick. All right. Now, as far as moving into the actual weekend, and we'll begin on Thursdays. We have a humongous PGA Tour event with the return of not only Tiger Woods. But maybe more importantly, from a value betting standpoint, Bryson DeChambeau, where should we begin this week with the PGA event, the Memorial? DeChambeau is a good place to start. Yeah, he's a he's basically been an unstoppable top ten, you know, on a bad week uh, type of player, you know, since he uh, since he doubled his uh, you know mass, you could say uh, since the break. It's been it's been pretty ridiculous. So I, you know, I love DeChambeau this week. I love Justin Thomas. This is kind of a course that, you know, it, it's it's a true championship course. Like every every hole is tough. You know, you you need to score on the par fives, and then just kind of hope for you know the occasional uh, you know opportunities elsewhere. You need to be good from tee to green. That's one of the you know tee to green and and being good on par fives are kind of the top two priorities among among other things. But you know, Justin Thomas is a guy that ranks number two on the tour in both. Rory McIlroy ranks number one in both, and DeChambeau is fifth and sixth. So those are the three guys I really focused on. They're all kind of the the big favorites. So you're not getting spectacular, you know, top twenty is not even worth it. Really, you almost have, you almost need to bank a top ten, and the and you need two of them. This is a very, uh, you know, I, th- I think the favorites are going to come to shine. Actually, I think uh, I think those guys. I like Webb Simpson. I think uh, Colin Morikawa, who uh, you know. 
was so impressive uh, last week, uh, along with JT. I think uh, you know. I think he should be confident uh, coming in as well. I think the course is going to be a little tougher this week than it was last week, but it's a it's a top heavy tournament for me. You know, for as far as Tiger Woods goes, uh, I'm more of a wait and see camper for him. Uh, he, you know, and this is a place he's been uh, very successful. You know, very very successful. He's the you know probably the best of all time on this course. But he also hasn't played uh, competitively in a long time. You know, he, he says he's healthy. He says his back is good. And for that reason alone, he's worth considering. But there are other guys who are just trending in the right direction, other big hitters out there trending in the right direction that I like more this week. And it makes sense. And I took kind of that similar approach with Tiger where I, I had to bet with my head my heart would just lay everything on it. You know, 2500 and you start to look at the Tiger specials, DraftKings are all offering here in PA about all these specific Tiger Woods bets. But then I'm thinking, well, this has been a, really a different start to the season where normally guys take their time easing their way into the pool of competition. But because golf was right there at the center of not much happening, the tour basically asked and kind of ushered guys in early and you have a lot of people that i think have been playing consistently that even if this were their debut you'd still have to deal with tiger right coming back and how healthy and how consistent he is adam but at the same time everybody except maybe mcelroy has been playing so consistent and, and a lot is what i meant that i feel like tiger is trying to catch up where it's not normally the case yeah, and this is you know the one tournament that could be the exception because he's you know he's won five times here I believe, but the last two times he's been here you know he he finished twenty third, and he finished ninth, so you know it you know which is still pretty good obviously but like you said you know there's been some guys who are who are just taking their games to the next level over the last uh, you know month, and I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to slow down uh, you know this weekend. And I think Tiger just being off for that long, you know, he just got, he just had some catch up to do. And you know, if his back is is as healthy as he hopes it is, uh, he'll be a guy to watch. And you know, it is he is a heart versus head kind of guy because even if you don't pick him, you still you know he's still just must watch TV, right? You know, yeah. if, if you have no interest in the tournament whatsoever, if Tiger Woods is in the final group on a Sunday, you know, ratings are through the roof, and people who kind of half care are watching, myself included. So. You know, I, I hope Tiger does well, but I'm hoping other guys do a little more well uh, this week at least. I actually took him at plus 225 to miss the cut. Wow, there you go. All right. And again, I'm not, I'm not rooting for it. I'd much rather be wrong in, in my heart, but I faded him a couple of times. I, I took him to miss the cut at plus 225. I just think that, again, you're going to have so many people, so many golfers who have already been playing so early in the season that they got through a lot of their issues where Tiger still has to ease in despite how great he looked in the match. I, I, I took him no as far as to hit his starting hole green in regulation, and I faded him again to hit his starting hole fairway in regulation, both at uh, well plus 210 for the green, plus 163 for the fairway. So I'm fading his entire first hole. I like that because I believe that happened. Uh, last time he, you know, he's come back, you know, several times and, you know, his back might just give out at any moment. You never, you just never know. I mean, yeah, he, he feels thing. good and then he gets out there. But I remember, you know, I think the last time he had a triumphant return, his first drive was just an atrocious, uh, not even close to the fairway. And then it was, uh, you 
you know, I kind of think he rallied there for a bogey and then ended up playing all right. But I bet you're right. I think, uh, you know, expect a slow start from him, and then that might be enough, you know, especially now that they, they've cut the, you know, the cut line. It is so much more difficult this year than it was last year. I think that's, you know, that's a, it's not worth a, that's worth a, a play. All right. So is there anything long shot worthy that we should look at, even if it's somebody sliding into a top 20 finish, plus 500, plus 800, some long, it doesn't have to be a long shot to win, but anybody you've looked at that has even some pretty significant odds that you would bet on for a top 20 finish? You know, last week I had a bunch that I really liked. This week, fewer, especially that long shot. I, I like Corey Connors where he's sitting. I think, uh, you know, he he matches up well with this course, I guess you could say. Uh, Sergio Garcia might be a guy that, uh, you know, he, he hits it straight. Uh, you know, I think Cheetah Green, he's just kind of a consistent player. You know, he's a guy that may not uh, make a, a the big mistake that costs him, which is easy to do on this course, especially with these greens that apparently are going to be Really fast. Uh, I think that's something to look for. Uh, Daniel Berger, he's kind of a he's a top twenty contender. I think. I think uh, kind of in the same Sergio. Uh, you know, I, I could see him just kind of just kind of hovering around that twentieth uh, spot, or maybe even better. Those are some guys I was really looking at. The, you know, last week I liked Matthew Neesmith. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody like that that I'm really uh, <laughs> I'm really focusing on uh, quite to that extent. Uh, I think Carlos Ortiz was a guy that kind of popped up on my radar. And, uh, you know, he would be big odds. I think you could, uh, you know, he's a top 30, you know, type of guy. But uh, there's nobody, uh, there's nobody, no true Cinderella's that I'm really uh, banking on yet. Adam Thompson, bookies.com, at Adam underscore Thompson, underscore, no, at underscore Adam, underscore Thompson, underscore, right? The, tri- no. the, the triple underscore, the dreaded triple, yes. Did I give four out, though? I don't know. That would no, be, uh, at underscore Adam, underscore Thompson, underscore. Okay, there we go. I correct. To make sure. There we go, yep. So, <laughs> final couple minutes here. Let's shift to the NBA. And I'm curious because we've had some storylines come out from people saying no to Russell Westbrook testing positive. Rashawn Holmes and the Kings, you know, he's not going to miss anything as far as the eight games it looks like. But has anything changed or, or have you looked at something maybe in a different light that has changed your approach to any win totals for the NBA? Not a whole lot in, in terms of changing. You know, I was looking at the, I was looking at uh, titles futures and just kind of comparing them, you know, from a month ago compared to now, you know, with the, with the players, you know, kind of sitting and, uh, you know, what's their availability and they're not there yet and that kind of thing. Not a lot has changed. Actually, the, the Rockets, Odds have lowered since uh, since all of this is you know in the, in the last month. You know Harden's not there, Westbrook's not the area, but they will be there. So I think uh, I think betters are kind of taking all of this COVID stuff right now with a grain of salt. I think uh, in, in terms of in terms of long term like futures odds. You know I think uh, obviously the Wizards are uh, they're finished, <laughs> but their their odds weren't that great anyway to begin with. Uh, the Celtics are a team that is is going in the right direction. Same with the Jazz actually. I think a lot of people started fading the Jazz, probably just because they're, they're the ones that kind of started this whole mess. <laughs> yes, um, with Gobert and Mitchell, but since then they've kind of slowly kind of come back into contender status. And I think uh, I think they have the tools to you know really disrupt things. I mean, they're a top four Western Conference team that doesn't really get talked about that much. Uh, you know, maybe because they're Utah, not LA, but you know they have the pieces in place to uh, to really compete. 
So I wonder, and we can kind of end on this, I'm fading everything Philadelphia down there because of how poor they played on the road, and now the latest is Ben Simmons, after three and a half years of being forced in the point guard position, is going to open up the eight games at the four, shake Milton at the point. This is just a recipe for disaster down there. I am fading the Sixers. I don't know how you see it, Adam. That's a tough one. I mean, they're they're not being faded. Well, their their eight game regular season uh, over under win total is at five and a half. So people are thinking they're going to come, and I think a part of a lot of it is schedule wise. They just have a really generous Second eight game easiest. schedule there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it's it's just full of. I mean, they should win four in their sleep, and then uh, you know two more after that. Uh, you know, it isn't that hard. But you're right. I mean, there's there's no team that was as great as where they were on the home. They were terrible on the road. The discrepancy just uh, just was astounding. So, you know, what do you you know what do you do with that? Is that a team that needs home court advantage, or you know just fails miserably? You know, under the pressure of opponents. You know, how does that uh, neutral site? I just think the lack of consistency is just a real red flag. And uh, you know, Ben Simmons, what does it you know what does it mean for him to go there? They're, they're actually getting more play now. Than they were a month ago. They're actually one of the teams that are turning in the right direction, as far as odds go. But you know, I'm I'm just uh, a little skeptical. I'm, I need to see to believe. I mean, on paper, they're as good as the Bucks, Clippers. I mean, they're they're close. They're right there. But you know, in terms of execution, uh, they're not. So I'm yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm fading them until they prove uh, prove me wrong. Awesome stuff, Adam. Always appreciate it. At underscore Adam underscore Thompson underscore all things, everything sport-related that you can bet on for bookies.com. Have a great day, man. You too, man. Thank you. All right. We'll break next. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level presented by Rocket Mortgage. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So I was thinking about this just as Adam was about to join us. And I've had a lot of things happen while I've been on the air. Things that are uncontrollable, things doing shows in studios, home studios. This was a first for me. I don't know how prepared you were, Sean, to jump in and do that interview. But the very second in which... The music plays, we come back, and it's on me, and my mic's hot to bring in Adam and bring the show back. My dog throws up on the floor. And it's not like, you know, stomach or anything. like. That. There's this mound of stuff that's seeping into the ground. I'll say, spare you the details. Yes, but, please. Yes, but the, you know, the initial instinct is to get up, is to, especially because you know what's the dog going to do devour what he just threw up this is not a see i told you i could not train my dog to deliver food no he can't no, even i'm sorry no postmates for uh... no not for ace no this weimaraner was about to inhale the food that he just threw up you think i could trust him with grub hub unbelievable all right we're back on a wednesday matt peralt next 